You know it's Easter because you walk in the stores and like the day after Valentine's Day, they start throwing up Easter candy. And you're like, come on, let me take a breath, right? But I love Easter candy. It's probably the best candy of the year. Who's in agreement with that? Like Halloween candy, it's just candy dressed up, right? It's not really different. You got candy corns, but that's gross for some people. I like candy corn, but for some people, it just, it's nasty. But Easter candy is the best because there's a big variety on Easter. And so these are one of my favorites. Right now, I'm on a healthy living plan, so I cannot have these. But Cadbury eggs, who loves these things? Who loves them the most? Who's more excited about it? Because I'm about to give you these. Like, I'm serious. Who wants them? All right. Can you catch? I don't know. Should I throw in you? I'm not going to hit you in the head. There you go. There you go. I softball pitch. He's better. And then these right here, Peeps. Now, some people, this is like the candy corn of Easter, right? You got half the population that cannot stand these things, and you got the other half population that are excited, and they buy out the store. So, Peeps are one of those candies that I cannot stand. It's just sugar marshmallows. That's all it is. Now, you can do a really cool thing with these, being the youth pastor that I was for a long time. You can uh, put these two in a microwave together with, with, uh, with toothpicks facing each other and have peep jousting. Just try it when you get home. It's really cool. You gotta be, they got to be close. You give them each, you stick them each a, a uh, toothpick in each one, and you stick them facing each other, and you turn the microwave on, and you watch the jousting competition. It's pretty awesome because they'll expand, and one will pop the other one. Um, and so... Peeps is one of those candies that you can't eat, but, you know, I won't eat it, but I'll have jousting contest. And So who likes these? Who wants these? All right. So we know who the people are that like weird food. There you go. Peeps. Peeps. Now, this candy here, this is not Easter candy, but if you're an 80s kid like me, um, and if you're older than that, you probably have no idea what these are because they're not on your radar, right? These are called now and laters. Who remembers these growing up? Like, but these did not come in a bag back then. They used to come in this big bar thing, and they were like, looked like they were made in China, really, because they're hard, and you got to chew on them for like 30 minutes to finally eat them. It is not like Starburst, okay? People are like, what's it like? Star-? It is not like Starburst. Now, this candy uh, was one that we would go crazy for when I was a kid. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites, or used to be. Now I can't chew it, but... Uh, it's one of my favorites. Who, who likes now and laters? Nobody. That's why, that's why they stopped making them, I guess, because, you know, I went to the store and I asked the lady, like, do you know where any now or laters are? What are now or laters? You know, she's probably about 19, you know. So if you're a millennial or a Gen Z, you probably have no idea what these are, okay? Um, these are the good old-fashioned candy, so uh, go try it out. Expand your horizon a little bit, Okay. You know, now or laters are kind of confusing. You know, why are they called now and laters? Do you eat them now or do you eat them later? Do you eat some now or do you eat the rest later? Maybe you're like, when I was a kid, I would eat them all now. I wouldn't wait till later. And how much later is later? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like now and laters. It's the most confusing name ever for candy. It's, it's very confusing. And you look at them like, well, what is this? And it reminds me of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God can be very confusing. It's like, is it now or is it later? Is it here or is it somewhere else? Where is the kingdom of God and what does the kingdom of God look like and how do we know 
when it comes. And we are continuing this series on the kingdom, and the kingdom of God is one of those things that can be very confusing, much like this candy now and later. Because the kingdom, whether you know, realize it now, is now, and it is also later. How do I, what do I mean by that? Well, the kingdom of God is with us right now, and it is coming later. <laughs> later, because um, the kingdom of God is where the king is. Last week, we talked about that. What is the kingdom of God? And kingdom comes from two words, king's domain, right? King's dominion. And so wherever the king is, that's where the kingdom is. And if you missed last week's, uh, last week's message on that, you can go to our website and check it out and uh, just get caught up on that. But wherever the king is, that's where the kingdom is. So in a sense, the, ki- the kingdom is here, but it's also later. It is now and it is also later. And Jesus has a lot to say about this now and later kingdom. He has a lot to say about how the kingdom is and where the kingdom is. And Jesus has this conversation with some Pharisees. And today's gonna, our main passage is going to be out of Luke chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to there. Or your smartphones or whatever you look on the Bible with, your neighbor's Bible, whatever, is Luke chapter 17. And Jesus runs into these Pharisees and they ask him this very important question. Like all of us, we have this question. When will the kingdom of God come? Hey, when is it going to come? We always ask that question, when's, God, when's Jesus coming back? When's the kingdom of God really going to be here? And Jesus told them this. The kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or there it is, it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Or, in other translations, this is the New Living, in other translations it says, in your midst, or in the censer. And really, this translation is really loose. What this, what, is, what, what this in the midst really means is like in your gut, okay, like in your entrails. It's a smack dab in the center. He's saying, I'm right here. The kingdom, is God right, the kingdom of God is right here in the middle of you. I'm standing here. I'm the kingdom of God. And <laughs> these Pharisees didn't understand because... Jesus is the king, yet they did not see his kingdom because they didn't recognize him as the king. The kingdom is here, and it's now, but it's not yet. You do not see it because you're looking in the wrong places. And so many of us don't see the kingdom of God because we're looking in the wrong places. We're looking somewhere else, or maybe in the future, or maybe at church. We come to church, right, to find the kingdom of God, or we look in the Bible to find the kingdom of God, or we look at signs, we look at the clouds, oh, that looks like Jesus, right? That looks like a horse, that looks like somebody riding on a horse. Or we look at natural disasters and say, well, God's coming back, there's natural disasters. Mankind has devoted itself to sign reading. You know that? We're really good at sign reading. We even have signs all over the place because we like to read signs, right? We get really good at sign reading. Astrology, numerology, human reasoning, they all try to see the kingdom coming, and they all try to predict where it is, when it is, and how it's going to come. But we often have this idea that the kingdom of God is so far from us that it's a physical place or billions of miles away or just a future reality. We feel like it's just so far away that it's never coming, that it's unreachable, that it's unattainable, and that one day the kingdom will come. And in essence, that is true to an extent. 
It is a later kingdom, but it's also a now kingdom. Because if Jesus is present, right, the king is present, then the kingdom is present. The king is present, the kingdom is present, but these Pharisees did not see it. Why? Because they failed to recognize the true king. So many people go through their life not realizing who the true king is. So many people go through their life without really knowing what the kingdom is and where it is and who the king is. And we fail to see the kingdom that is right in front of us, right in the center of us. We are citizens of heaven. For those of you who have given your life to Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. You are a citizen of this kingdom. Jesus is our king, therefore we are citizens of this kingdom. We are carriers of the kingdom. And Jesus is inside of us. And if Jesus, the king, is inside of us, wherever we go, the kingdom goes with us. Because Jesus did not just come to bring the kingdom here. He also came to put the kingdom here in us. And so often we forfeit that power and that authority that comes with the kingdom that is within us. Jesus, yes, wants to get us into the kingdom. But more importantly, he wants to get the kingdom into us. And for us to be kingdom people and kingdom-minded and to see that the kingdom is always marching forward and moving forward. We're kingdom builders. Everywhere we go, we are building the kingdom because the king is in us and we are bringing order where there was chaos, like we talked about last week. A good king brings order where there's chaos. And we, as his people, move into that place and bring order out of that chaos. So many times we, we just don't realize the power that is within us. And we walk around defeated and we walk around like nothing's going to change. And we walk around like, well, God's, God has no power over this problem. And I have no power over this problem. But we have power over the problems that, that come at us in this world because we are not of this world. We live in this world, Yes but we are not of this world. We are made for a different world. That's the kingdom of God within us. For those of you who have decided to be a part of our kingdom builder program, our kingdom builders here in this church, what you're doing is you're investing into the kingdom of God. You're investing into the work of God. We're not, we're not building a physical kingdom like with castles and things like that. We are building a supernatural kingdom of God, where the presence of God is welcome. That's what it means to build the kingdom. It's to make the presence of God welcome in the community around us. As a church, our vision is that to make the kingdom of God welcome among the people of this community, among the people in your family. Is God welcome in those places? If he is, then that's his kingdom. If the king can be there, there's his kingdom. Does that make sense? The king is in that place. That is his kingdom. That is his dominion. And we as people of God go to build that kingdom by simply putting into an environment, making an environment where God's presence is welcome. Where God's presence is welcome. That's what the kingdom is really about. It's about God with us. If you want to, if you want to just get rid of everything you've ever been taught, everything, toss it to the side and look at this one reality. This is the reality of the kingdom of heaven. It's where God is. That's all you got to know. That's, it's where God is. That's where the kingdom of heaven is. It's where God is. It's where his presence is fully, and, is fully known and made known. That's where, that's where the presence, 
of God is is where the heaven is. If you look in Scripture, all through Scripture, it's about what? God with us. It's about God with us. There's nothing else in there. It's all about God with us. In the beginning, there was Genesis. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. It was about God with us. His people, his plan, his purpose, his presence in our lives. That's what Genesis is about. That's what Genesis is all about, is God with us. And then in Exodus, when he takes the people out of captivity and he brings them into the wilderness, what's he build? He builds this tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, it was all about what? God with us. The Israelites camped outside of this tabernacle because he was in the very center of those that tribes. And I don't have time to go into that, but... There's big significance in that. God was with us. That's what it's about in Exodus. And then you go to Kings and they build this temple, right? And, and the temple was all about what? God's presence. God with us. They would go to the temple and they worship God because God was in that temple. And it was, it would, we would go and, and be present in him and it was about God with us. When Jesus came, what was it about? God with us, it's Emmanuel, God with us. That's what this kingdom is about. It's about God with us. And at Pentecost, what happened? The Spirit came within us. It was about God in us, God with us. Jesus had ascended, and God poured out himself into us. Revelation, you go to that book. What's that whole book about? It's about weird things, right? No, it's not, it's not about. It's just about God with us. It's about his plan for us to be fully in his presence. That's where the kingdom of heaven is. It's about God with us, nothing else. That's it. That's God's plan all along for us to be fully in his presence. The kingdom of God isn't about gold streets and pearly gates and mansions in the sky. Now, those things may be a reality, but it's not about getting to heaven to see all those things. It's about getting to heaven to see our creator, God, to be in his presence. That's what it's about. It's not about all this stuff. It's about God with us. Now, God is with us. And later, God will be with us completely and fully in all his forms. The theological term here for this now and later is now and not yet. It's pretty close, but it's now and not yet. That this, this present reality that we're living in now, God is with us, yes. God is in us, and wherever we go, the kingdom goes. But one day, later, the kingdom will come to us, and we will be fully in his presence, not just spiritually, but also physically. I know this is a deep thing, but if we grab our minds around the reality of God with us and, and what this really looks like, I think it'll shift our whole view of our faith. It's not about me, it's about God with us. It's about God with us and nothing else. No other reality but God with us. When Jesus left us, when he went to heaven, he says, don't worry that I'm going. It's going to be good that I'm going because I'm sending someone else with you. I'm sending somebody else for you and he's going to be in you. It's the Holy Spirit. So God the Son left, but God the Holy Spirit came and now he's in us and he's moving in us and wherever we go, the Spirit goes. So often we're afraid to step out in faith and to minister to someone or pray for someone or to speak to someone because we don't have it figured out. We don't know what to say, right? We don't know how to say it. We don't know how to approach them. We don't really know what they need. But when you step back and realize that God's with me, 
His Spirit's in me. I know that He's not going to let me fall. And more than that, I know that God loves this person that's standing in front of me more than I'll ever love that person. And He has a plan for their life. He has a purpose for their life. He loves them despite anything they've ever gone through or anything they've ever done. He has a plan for them to be with Him. His purpose for their life is God with them. And so we're so afraid to step out because we think it's all about us. And I want to tell you, it's nothing to do with us. It's nothing to do with us. We are just simply vessels for God to use. His spirit is in us and his spirit empowers us to speak life into people's lives. So many times I'm speaking to people and I have no idea how to help them in that situation. And I'm like, God, help me. (laughs) I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to say. I don't know, God, but you love them. You love these people. You love this person. God, give me something to speak to them. And every time he does, because you realize it's not about you. It's about him. It's about them. It's about the people that you're standing in front of. You are the kingdom bringers into that situation. You are bringing order where there was chaos because of the power of God in us that's doing that. It's this dual kingdom that's at work all the time. It's this dual kingdom, this now kingdom and this later kingdom. Jesus is in heaven preparing to come back, but his Holy Spirit is with us now preparing us to meet him. It's this dual kingdom at work. Everywhere you go, there's this dual kingdom at work. It's hard to wrap our minds around it, but when we get it, we understand that it's not about me, it's about God with us. Our spirits have been united with Christ already. And this is a deep thing, but our spirits have been united with Christ already. We are seated with him in the heavenlies. Scripture says that, and I'm about to read that scripture. It says we are seated with him in the heavenlies right now. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says, but God... I don't have it up, sorry. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses and our rebellion, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace. Not by works, not by anything you do, but because God loves you, his grace has saved you and raised you up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, you're already there. Like your spirit's seated there already. You're now and not yet, right? You're not yet. You're, you're, You're up there right now. Your spirit is in heaven, seated with God. But now your body and everything else is in this world. It's a hard thing to wrap your mind around, but when you get it, your life will change because you understand that, man, I'm seated with with Jesus, I'm already in the heavenlies. What on earth can knock me down on this earth? I'm already there. Like my spirit is already there. And now it's just my, my body and my mind and everything else is here on this earth, but God did not leave us alone on this earth. It's this dual reality that we live in. His kingdom has come and it's coming. And then Jesus continues this idea, this now and later kingdom, and he continues in this very first passage of Luke that we talked about. And he turns to his disciples and he explains this more deeply. 
because he explains to the Pharisees, it's, it's right here, right now. Then he turns to the disciples and says, but it's also coming. And then he said to his disciples in verse 22, The time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there's the Son of Man, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. For as lightning flashes and the lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on that day when the Son of Man comes. But first, the Son of Man may suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the Son of Man returns, it will look like it was in Noah's days. In those days, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings. Right up to the time Noah entered the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went out about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck or roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife? If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let go of your life, you will save it. That night, two people will be sleeping in one bed, and one will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, the other will be left. You'll be left behind, and Kirk Cameron will be the only one left, right? Just got to break it up, man. Where will this happen, Lord, the disciples asked. And Jesus replied to them, Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. So when is the heaven, when is the kingdom of heaven coming fully? No one knows. There have been people predicting that the kingdom's coming, and every one of them have been wrong. There have been people that have made huge decisions. Now, Jesus coming back tomorrow or this date or this date, I know because I decoded the Bible. They don't know. They don't know. Only, Jesus, only God knows. And they've been wrong time and time again. Matthew records the same conversation that Mark records here, or Luke records here. Matthew says this, Then if anyone tells you, this is verse 24 of Matthew, Look, here are the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe that. The false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive if possible, even God's chosen one. See, I've warned you about this ahead of time. This is Jesus speaking. So if anyone tells you, look, the Messiah, Jesus is in the desert, don't go bother looking for them. Or look, he's hiding here. Don't believe it. For his lightning flashes in the east and it shines to the west. So it will be when the Son of Man comes, just like in the other passage. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that this, the end is near. And Matthew actually kind of expands that idea from the other passage. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at least, at last, the Son of Man will, is, is coming, will appear in the heavens, and there will be a deep mourning among the peoples of the earth. And then we'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. And so he kind of ties it down to this lesson of a fig tree. When it branches bud, 
when its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know summer's near. Right now it's spring. The, the trees are starting to get their leaves back. Flowers are starting to bloom. You may have to cut your yard, right? So you know that summer's near. It's going to be hot soon. Praise God, I'm tired of the cold. In the same way, when you see all these things, you know his return is very near. Right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. This word generation, it goes past just Jesus' generation. It goes to all man, all mankind. All mankind will not pass to the scene until this has taken place. And so heaven and earth will, not, will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, when's the kingdom coming? However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven know. Or the Son himself. Jesus is like, I don't even know. But only the Father knows. When he says it's time for me to go, I'm going to go. So what does this mean for us? How do we take this now and later kingdom and apply it to our lives? What does it even mean? What, what do we have to look forward to in this now and later kingdom? Well, in the now, we have the presence of God with us. And that's comforting. Now, he works through us. Everywhere we go, we take this kingdom of God with us. We bring order where there was chaos. His presence is with us. We introduce, when we introduce people to the king, every time we walk into other people's lives, we introduce them to the king. When we go pray for people, we're introducing them to the kingdom. We're showing them the kingdom. When we, go, when we uh, share the good news with people, we're introducing the kingdom. When we drive next to people, Hopefully, we're showing them Jesus. We're showing them the king. We're showing them the kingdom. Wherever we go, the king goes with us. Wherever we go, we bring the kingdom with us. That's what the in the now means. When we pray for people to recover, that's the kingdom of God walking into that situation and bringing healing and hope and life into people's lives here and now. Healing is not just for later. Hope is not just for later. Health is not just for here for later. It's here and now, but it's also later. It's here to an extent, but fully later. The kingdom of God is active now in each and every one of us as believers of God. The kingdom of God is now active in us and wants to pour out through us to other people. That's the kingdom of God working. That's what it means for the kingdom of God to be here now. There's a story of a, <clears throat> of a pastor I was reading about in a book a few months ago. And he was kind of explaining this idea that the kingdom of God is within us and that Jesus is in us and that wherever we go, we represent Jesus. And wherever we are, Jesus is with us. And so this, this pastor tells a story where he's going to the hospital to visit one of his sick congregation members who's in the hospital. And he gets there and he walks into the wrong room. Now, that's a pastor's worst nightmare, okay? She's like, what room are they in? And most of the time you go to the hospital, they're not labeled. I don't know why they don't label the doors. I'm sure there's reasons sometimes. And you're looking for that person. And he walks into this guy's room. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I have the wrong room. The guy looks up, looks at him and says, well, that's okay. I need the company. Come on in. And the pastor, not wanting to be rude, said, okay, I'll come back to you, I promise. But I need to go visit my sick congregation member. And so he goes and visits that person, then comes back and, and spends some time with this man. He finds out that this man has cancer, and, 
and the doctors haven't given him really a chance. He's on chemo. He's in the hospital there. He's going to be there for several months. And, um, and he gets t- talking to this guy. He's an, he's an unbeliever. He's an agnostic at best. He doesn't really believe there's a God, or if there is a God, he doesn't care about man's reality. And so he just comes, and he's a friend to this guy. And he just shares God with him and shares his life and has the guys ask these, all these questions. And the, the congregation member's in there for uh, a couple weeks, and so he, as he goes to visit them, he just stops by and visits this guy. But every time he goes in, he prays for this man to be healed. And lo and behold, eventually, the man's healed from his cancer. The cancer is gone. And the man comes and visits the pastor at his church. And he comes and he tells the pastor, he goes, I just want to thank you for walking into my room and praying for me. The pastor looked at him and says, I didn't do that. I didn't walk into your room and pray for you. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, I was there physically, but Jesus was there. He's the one that walked into your room. He's the one that healed you. He's the one you should be thankful for. And this agnostic man that didn't know Jesus said, well, tell Jesus thanks. Now, maybe he accepted Christ eventually or not, but he got it. He understood. He understood that there was another kingdom at work. Jesus is at work in us now, here and now. Where the king is, there can be no disorder. There can be no chaos where the king is because the king brings order. And if the king is in us, moving through us, we bring order to chaos. We bring that order to chaos. That's what it means for now, here and now. Do we see the kingdom of God at work in our lives through us now? So often we don't. We shrink back and we're afraid and we don't move forward because we don't know and we don't believe that God is really in us and for us and can move through us to do something incredible through him. This week, we, uh, I watched several of... Um, Several churches, they met for what they call fine arts. And in these fine arts, these kids get up and they give maybe a short sermon or they do, um, what do you call them? The, they, they do short sermons, they sing, they do uh, kids ministry uh, things. These kids, these, these, these young people, 8 to 14 to 17 to 18 years old, are preaching the gospel, are moving in what God has them to do, They're living on purpose because they understand the kingdom is in their midst. The kingdom is in their midst. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing for the here and now. The kingdom is in your midst. But we also have this present later, this presence of God later, and it gives us hope. When we experience something in our lives now, we experience it greater later. We get a taste of heaven here when the Spirit of God enters us but we will experience God fully in the coming age, in the later. That is our hope. That is our hope as Christians, is that this later is going to wipe away every tear, get rid of every sickness, that there will be no sin, that there will be no chaos. All order will be when we are perfectly in the presence of our Father. And I think so often we as believers, I know, because I've, I've felt this way and I've believed this way for so long that heaven was just an alternative from hell. Like, I want to go to heaven because I don't want to go to hell. In reality, that's the wrong thinking. Heaven is where God is. Heaven is where our heavenly Father reigns and His presence is. We should be thinking, I want to go where my Father is. I want to be in His presence. 
You know what the difference between heaven and hell is in, in, all, in all reality? It's heaven is God fully manifest, his presence fully known and seen and felt and heard. Hell is simply the absence of all of God. There is no God in that place. There's no goodness. That's the difference. It's not golden streets and pearly gates and all those things and burning sulfur and all that. Now, those things may be a reality. But what heaven and hell truly is, is where God's presence is and where God's presence is not. I know this is deep, but when you get it, it'll change the way you think about God, change the way you act, change the way you pray, change the way you interact with people. You'll walk into places that go, man, the kingdom of God is in me. Jesus is in me. He is with me and he wants to use me. I am simply being a vessel used by him in the here and now. That way they will know him fully, completely in the later. It's this here and now and not yet. Kingdom of God. That's where it is. We're looking in the wrong place. Just like the Pharisees, we're looking in the wrong place. The kingdom of God is not just later, but it's now. It's done now. It's done perfectly now. When we just allow God to use us for that kingdom, we don't think about the later sometimes either. We're kind of on this opposite side. This now and later, we, we focus on the now. we like, I want to eat all my candy now. But there's also later. There's a later. And that later gives us hope. And that later lets us move through another day. Let's just go through the pain that we're feeling now. Go through the, the anguish that we have. Go through the disappointments we feel every day. That later kingdom, that, that full presence of God is where we have hope. That's where we draw our strength from. Paul says we do not shrink back because we know that there is a day where God will come back in his fullness. He will wipe away every tear. He will bring order where there was chaos he will change your lives forever and we will be with him forever. If you can go and come up, Christian. And this morning, I, I want you to know that God is here, right here and right now. That he is within your midst. He is in the center of you, in your mess, in your disappointments, in your failures, all the things that you've gone through in your life, God is there in your midst. You are never alone. You are never alone. So often we think we're alone in everything, but you are never alone. God is there in your midst. The kingdom of God is in that present place. So please stand with me. If I can get the prayer team to come. Father, we know that this is a hard teaching. God, we know in part, and we, we guess in part, God, because we just don't know sometimes. But Lord, your word is clear and plain that you are here with us now and that we will be with you fully in the later. And we thank you, God, for that. God, I thank you that we are never left alone in our troubles and our pains. But God, you are with us in all those things. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that those that feel like they are alone, those that feel like they are going through life without any help, 
without any hope, God, that there is no hope in the future for them. God, that they would see that later, that they would see your kingdom coming into their life and changing their life forever. God, I feel like people in this place today feel like it's always going to be this way. My life's always going to be this way. The situation's always going to be this way. There's no hope. There's no way out. There's no door. But God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would show them the door, that you would show them that you are making a way out. That their present reality is not the true and final reality of their life, God. That you have something good for them. You have a beauty planned for them, God. That you know the best for them. And Lord, I pray right now, God, for every broken heart in this place. For every broken body in this place. God, I pray that you would just reach down right now and you would bring heaven into earth in this place. Father, you are holy. My Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth right now as it is in heaven.